All right, welcome back. Another episode with Black Financial Initiative. And you have Terrence here, and then we'll, I'll pass it on to Larry. And we have a very special guest here today, be filling in. Uh, so, Larry, go ahead, take it away. All right, all right. How are y'all doing today? We got a good friend of ours, a friend of both of ours. His name is Corey. Uh, he has an accounting background. He works in the financial sector. So he actually knows what he's talking about, unlike unlike us. Um, we got a... <laughs> Eric's not able to be, or he's not with us today. So we have a guest uh, today. His name is Corey. Like I said, he's a friend of ours. He's an SFA alumni. Terrence, if you didn't know, Terrence used to be our barber at SFA. He was the plug um, getting your hair done at SFA. And uh, I'm pretty sure Corey introduced me to Terrence to get my hair cut. Also, uh, playing video games, Corey introduced uh, me to Eric as well. So without Corey, we, we might not even have this podcast. Me and me and Corey and all of us really drank too much bourbon and, and smoked too many cigars together. So that's a quick introduction to Corey, H-Town Zone. Corey, how are you doing today? Well, thank you all, fellas, for having me. H-Town Zone, as you said, Axum Jacks. You know, thank you, uh, Larry. Known Larry for a long time, good friend. Known Terrence for a long time, good friend. Quick story about Terrence. He is, in my opinion a savior to me. The way I met Terrence was, uh, you know, briefly, you know, tried to cut my hair and, you know, it did not go pretty well at all. <laughs> so I was like, I need a barber ASAP. And man, Terrence was able to cut me up, had me looking fresh. That was freshman year back in college. Since then, man, I've been rocking with him since. So yeah, yeah. Appreciate that, Terrence. And Hey man, uh, you didn't spend enough time on that. We will, we have to go into detail <laughs> on this. <laughs> that was at midnight, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. First of all, first off, this dude—I didn't even know this dude at the time. I think uh, Eric. I want to say I knew Eric first of of everybody that we've had on the podcast, and uh, that's because we were in—you know—we were little fish at the time, so we were standing in the dorm rooms and. I want to say Eric saw me in like the community bathroom cutting my hair one day. I was like, hey, man, you cut hair. Can you chop me up one day? So that's how we became cool. And then one night, like it's late. I'm in bed. It's like around midnight. I think I got like an eight o'clock class or something. And I get this. I want to say it was a call. I want to say you called me first. (laughs) Yep. Like, hey, yo, 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 this this Terrence. (laughs) Like, yeah, who is this? Like, hey, um. You know, Eric, blah, 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 blah. You know, I need a haircut, man. I'm like, what? I'm in bed. So I got to get up out of bed. This dude come come downstairs. I was a, a floor ball under him. Beating on my door in the middle of the night. He done jacked his head up. <laughs> so, but long story short, I ended up uh, fixing his, his hair so he can go into class smooth the next day. And, and we've been cool ever since then. And like Larry said, then that was the intro to, to Larry. And uh, man, that was that was fun times, fun times. College days, all of us are now married. Some of us got kids and everything. So those those were those are good times, though. Yeah, yes, um, sir. <laughs> all right, so let's let's get into it. Let's talk about the money. So right now we're going to talk about stocks. We're going to talk about stocks. We had a episode recently, introduction to stocks. This time we're going to get more in depth about stocks. So first, let's talk about how we evaluate stocks. I'm going to go ahead and start off with. Uh, Corey, since he's in that financial sector, Corey, how do you look at stocks? What makes you decide to purchase a stock? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, I kind of look at it, you know, in a twofold. So if it's a company that maybe I've heard about, maybe it's like, you know, Amazon, or Apple, something like that. And I kind of got an understanding, you know, hey, what's their product? What's their service? What do they do? You know, how do they make their money? If it's a company that, you know, I don't know about that I may have seen on a TV 
on CNBC on the ticker or something like that, then it's like, okay, well, I'm seeing this company. Well, let me do some research. So pretty much yeah. before I, I get into a stock, it's going to start research. Whether I know that company or if I don't know that company, I need to know what, you know, their product, what the service, how they making money. So from there, once I do that and figure out that, then I'll look at their financials. So the 10Q, their quarterly, I'll look and see, okay, is this company, you know, their revenues, are they making money, right? Because I want to make sure if I'm investing in a company that they're making money. Yeah. So I'll look, I'll look at the revenues. I'll look at the net income. Um, I also look at, uh, you know, EPS to see you know, different things like that. Another thing that, that I like tend to look at is, you know, the, the graph of the stock. So you can type in the symbol on Google or something like that. Usually like to see a upwards, a upwards trend with the stock that I'm want to buy. Cause if I see a stock that is going down, may not be something that, you know, I will be, you know, interested in for right now. So typically we want to see something that's going up with an up, upwards trend. Um, so those are just a, a couple of things that, you know, I tend to look at, you know, with the stocks when I'm looking to buy one. So. All right. Good, good stuff there, man. Corey, uh, pretty similar on, on how I would evaluate also with me. I'm, I'm a little bit lazy. I'll go ahead and throw that out, out there. This is for the coming man. So you can understand as well. Uh, but you know, we got, we all have other jobs, full-time gigs. So for me, I, because I have so little time, I guess, outside of work, I try to go with what I know, you know, that way I don't have to do as much research starting from the, from the very basics, like a company I don't know anything about. Um, so some of the more well-known stocks, uh, more established stocks that, like you said, Corey, that you already familiar with, know something about, I already know that they're proven, have growth year, year after year, stuff like that, quarter after quarter, those mm -hmm. companies. And that helps, I would say this is a little bit safer starting out uh, because they have already proven themselves instead of someone that's not going to put in that work or beginning and don't know how to put in that work early on and they'll put in the finding out uh, what the financials are for a stock. So for me, I, I try now to look at a little bit more of some stocks that I'm already familiar with. Um, but for those that you're not familiar with, for me, I got my beginning, my little intro into stocks from reading just a generic book. It was like stocks for dummies or something like that. You know, because I just wanted to have some type of knowledge on them before I started buying. So in that book, uh, one, let me read this off here. This is some notes that I took from when I when I read it. And I, I honestly need to go back through this book because it has some really good gems in it. But um, I said, do a comparative financial analysis. That was one of the notes I had in there. So compare the net income to prior periods or similar similar uh, products or similar companies. So compare the company you're looking at to what other companies are doing that are like them, because it, you know, it's all relative. You want, you want to go with the big dog or with the big fish or who's ever on the, on the come up. So if your company's doing one thing, you want to see if they're outpacing everyone else. Cause if some, somebody else is outpacing them, you might want to look at that company first. It's all about getting the most bang for your buck. Uh, and then like you mentioned the company uh, 10Q uh, statements, and they also have the 10K statements. Uh, which you can get from the sec.gov that 10k is a comprehensive report filed annually by a publicly traded company so it's about its financial performance and it's required by the u.s securities and exchange commission the sec uh, the report contains much more detail than a company's annual report which is something else that you can take a look at and just some of the information that the company uh, is required to document in that report is uh, the history organizational structure financial statements 
earnings per share, subsidiaries, executive compensation, and any other relevant data that they might might have. And this is just so that the consumer is, or whoever that shareholder is, has all the information that they need, and they're not actually being duped, you know, by by the company. You know, you, you can't feign ignorance like, hey, they had it there for you. If you just bought it because your homeboy told you to, that's that's on you. But they have the 10K and the 10Q. And I guess the main difference between those two is the 10K is annually, 10Q is is quarterly. And then you also have things like balance sheets and checking the uh, PE ratio. And the general rule of thumb, which was stated in, like I said, the book that I read was this author said that they should, as far as the PE ratio, should equal 10 to 20 uh, for a large cap income stock or no greater than 30 to 40 for growth stocks. It's preferable. So everybody's going to have their own little thing that they look at, their own little ranges. And this, like I said, you can look at different books. And this is just what, what was stated in one of the books that I read. And as far as the company's income statement for sales or revenue, they have a preferred 10% growth from the prior year. And that's their preference before what they would, you know, pull the trigger on a stock. So that doesn't mean it's a hard, hard sale on that. Um, a hard no on that if it doesn't meet the 10%, that's just kind of what the preference is. That's the guideline that they they chose. But as you take a look at your stocks, depending on how big the stock is, how volatile it is, you might adjust that that number. So that's just a couple of little little nuggets that I can throw out there. What what you got, Larry? Larry? All right. So uh, one thing Corey mentioned, and that was very good stuff, Terrence. Um, one thing that Corey mentioned is the, uh, I believe you mentioned net income, something. So that's something I really look at. Um, pretty much uh, income, net income after uh, tax or it's the same thing as earnings. And I think earnings is probably the main thing uh, for me, just making sure that they're making money. And nothing I do is 100%. Like it doesn't have to be exact. Like I have to follow this rule 100%. But one thing I like to look at is their net income. And I like to make sure that their earning at least has grown every year for the last four years. So that's, that's one of the things I like to look at. Um, and you can find that on an income statement. You can find it on a, uh, on a cash flow statement. The income statement, I like to look at the operating income. And I like to make sure they're actually making money from their operations. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I like to make sure that's one thing I look at. If any EPS is negative, I do not invest in them. So and you can find that on an income statement as well. And EPS is earnings per share. Uh, another thing I like to look at is their, their long-term debt. I don't really look at their short-term debt, but I look at their long-term debt. I mean, if now this is not hundred percent, but if there's some, if there's more cash than long-term debt to me, that's golden. I mean, that's going to really stick out to me. That's not always the case, but that's going to really stick out to me. Um, so that's, I really like that. I look at their cash flow, uh, a lot of stuff. So I like to go to the actual, to the actual company's website. Um, a lot of them, you know, I, I would guess most of them or all of them I have, like, you can go to like the investor section on there. That's when you get all their financial statements, their income statement, the balance sheet, their cash flow. So I like to go, I like to go there. Those don't always have like different ratios. Um, a lot of times they just show you the hard numbers. So then I'll go to like NASDAQ. Um, I'll go to the, uh, I think it's NASDAQ.com. I'll go to there and kind of look at the different ratios, um, like the PE ratio, um, and, and different ratios like that. And as far as the ratios go, that's the main one. I, it's important to me is a PE ratio. So I'll, I'll look at that. I'll look at their PE ratio compared to other companies within their sector. Also, I'll look at their PE ratio over the last uh, several years, um, just to kind of see if their price is, is really, you know, realistic, what, what it needs to be at. 
So that's what, I'm, what I look at. Financials for me is the main thing I look at. I like to look at the, obviously you look at the stock price, you know, for me, um, if, it, if it's at the 52 high, I probably won't buy it right then and there, you know, at 52 week high, excuse me. Um, a lot of times you look at stuff, you see have a 52 week high and a 52 week low. It's kind of something to look at. I'm not the, just an expert, so I don't have an exact number when to, uh, Buffett will tell you, okay, you need to do this. And this is when you need to buy it. You know what I'm saying? I don't have that, but I kind of just like, okay, well, it's too high right now. You know, I'm gonna let it go down a little bit before I, I, I purchase it. Another thing I look at, so I read a book, it's, uh, it's called How to Make Money in Stocks by William J. O'Neill. And he's really into looking at graphs. What he, what he has is a, it's a cup with a, um, a cup with a handle is, is what it's called. When you look at a stock price and he's, he's a little different than like Buffett or, or Peter Lynch. He actually wants you to buy the stock when it's going up opposed to going down. His reasoning is when you buy something, his reasoning is that, I don't know, appliance, like you don't want to buy a bad appliance. You want to buy a good appliance. So his, his, that's his reasoning. You don't want to buy something that's going, that's doing down because you don't know if it's going to go up. I don't necessarily agree hundred percent with him. Um, because I, 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 you know, I want to get a good price, but I understand what he's saying though. So the way, the way he does it is, uh, the stock price is going up and then the market corrects it, corrects it and it goes down and it makes like a little, like a little, uh, you, and then it's gonna, um, it, it's gonna go back up and then it's gonna, it's gonna kind of, uh, go straight for a little while. And that's when he says you need to buy it because the price is going to eventually go up from there. And then what you're going to look at is the market volume. If there's a lot of uh, market volume, that means the price is going to go up. So that's, um, I kind of look at the, the graph as well. Uh, Corey, I think you had some more to say as well. Yeah, kind of go along with, kind of go along with what, you know, you just mentioning um, about how stock can go up, may go down a little bit, and then, you know, may hit a certain price and then it takes off. So there are certain things that depending on the strategy, if you're deciding that, hey, you know, this is something I'm buying and I'm holding it for long term, which is more than a year. Um, so you're looking more at those traditional hardcore uh, financials like we were talking about the balance sheet, net income, you know, things like that. Then you have your short term, which may be which is less than a year. Like, hey, I'm trying to buy this stock, this security. Um, and I want to hold it for a month or so, a couple months to try to make a profit. So you do look more at the technical analysis, look more at that price. Once it hits like a certain price, um, there are certain things that has like a breakthrough point. So it may hit this price and then traditionally it goes up from there. So there are certain things like that depending on the strategy that can be looked at with stocks. Yeah. In, in our last episode, me and Terrence both said they were more long-term investors. So for me, that's more what I look for at long-term investments, but you, you can definitely make money in the short term, you know, especially right now with um, social media and stuff like that. There's a lot of stocks that are really popular and, um, and people are making a lot of money right now. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to be long-term, but at least in the short term, they're like making a lot of money right now. So, um, you know, there's different ways. There's a lot of ways to make money in the, in the stock market. Yeah. And I think the last thing that I, I will say about the, the stocks is um, I know a lot of times we do hear about different stocks and we've heard about Reddit and different things like that. And, you know, you hear about, you know, some stocks going up and it's like, okay, well, the stock is going up. I want to buy this stock. Well, there's something called FOMO, fear of missing out. So you do have people that are like, okay, I want to chase this and I want to buy the stock when it's at a high price. And then eventually, you know, dies down. They're like, oh, well, the stock has went down, right? So be, you know, if you're buying stocks, be careful of the FOMO, fear of missing out, you know, do your research on the company. If you don't know anything about it, research, research, research. It's not a video game. This is real money. Yeah, and that real money will get you caught up. You're playing with it too, uh, too loose, fast and loose. So, um, <laughs> 
you know, one thing like you were saying, Corey, kind of how it relates to that is, is people having that fear of missing out and buying stocks, maybe not at the most opportune time, optimum time. And uh, then that stock drops, you know, messing with these so-called meme stocks. Uh, but one thing that can help out in situations like that is uh, going into a little bit more detail with our, you know, kind of stock analysis and stock strategies is, is using limit orders, uh, stop loss orders, or uh, trailing stop loss orders. So just to go in a little bit of detail on that. So a limit order would be when placing an order on, on buying a stock. So for example, that stock's at, we'll just say a nice round number $10, uh, but you you think it's, it's a little high. It's only, you're looking at that trend and it's more on the 52 week high, like Larry mentioned, uh, and you don't want to buy high you want to kind of buy low sell high you know typically uh so you can set a limit order to um buy that stock when it drops down to like 950 nine dollars and fifty cents or something like that uh that way you don't have to kind of just watch and manage it and be hawkeye on it and then when it goes to 950 if it goes to 950 you're like all right i'm gonna jump on it now you can set it automatically you can call your broker or whoever and, and have them do it or if you're using uh, what is Robinhood now, you can set it automatically. And then for stop loss orders, now these are going to be your your saviors. So these can save you big time. I'm, I'm still, you know, fairly new to, to buying stock. So I, I honestly need to use it more often. It's a great tool that needs to be utilized by everyone. Uh, but a, a stop loss order is also called a stop order, but it instructs your broker to sell a particular stock in your portfolio only when the stock reaches a particular price. So most people set at about 10% depending on the stock. Uh, but for example, let's say you, again, we'll use $10. You, you buy a stock at 10 bucks and you can set a stop loss that says that, hey, if it falls to falls 10% sell, and you can set on how many to sell, you sell the whole thing, whatever. Or you can set it by the amount. You can say, hey, I bought this at 10. If it stopped, if it drops to 950, sell. That way you're covered. It's kind of a safety net. That way you don't just have this order and you have all this money invested. And next thing you know, the company just bottoms out. There's uh, some bad news comes out. The financials look terrible. And now it drops all the way to $7 from 10 or 10 to, to five or whatever. And you've lost half of your money. You can set a limit on how much you want to, to lose. Now, if the market is pretty volatile or that stock is pretty volatile, it might drop past that 950 or whatever you set it at. You know, it might go from, from 970 all the way to 940, but still at, a, at, a, at that point, it's going to say, all right, well, we missed 950. We'll sell at 940. But if it hits that 950, It'll, it'll sell at 950 however much you want it to sell so it's a good way of limiting your losses um and you can also do a trailing stop which is pretty much is very similar to the to the just regular stop order where you set a limit on how much you want it to drop before you start selling but with that it will follow the increase so you buy at ten dollars you say hey i want to set a a, a trail at at ten percent or whatever um and your stock starts to rise at rise from 10 to 11 bucks. Now that 10% is going to follow that 11, $11. So it's still, now your stop is going to trail 
to whatever 10% is of $11. If it drops now from 11 to that 10% loss, it, it'll sell then and not at that initial 10% at 10 bucks. Whatever that is, I'm not going to do that math in my head and humiliate myself on on the podcast <laughs> like that. But you do the math yourself. But I mean, those are two very useful tools to help limit your, your losses. And like I said, it's a rule of thumb is like 10%, but you be the judge and also take into account how volatile the, your stock is. If it's not a very volatile stock, 10% might be good. But if it's a pretty volatile stock, you know, it, it might go 5% every week. You know, so so you might want to set a broader range on it. You might want to set your stop loss at 20% because you're automatically expecting that volatile stock to to rise and increase anyway. Just keep that in mind because you have some companies that, you know, bankrupt and, and you can lose all your your money. So uh, put a put a stop loss in there. Yeah. And I think that's good for us. I mean, we, we all have jobs and everything. So, you know, you're not able to look at it all the time for the common investor. So I think that's, that's good. All right. So, um, so now let's go into ETFs. Um, ETFs are uh, real popular right now. I think it's a good, you know, good way to invest. Me personally, I actually don't invest in any ETFs, but um, I know that I know they're uh, really popular right now. Corey, what, what is your thought on ETFs? Yeah. ETFs are, are pretty good, uh, you know, investment opportunity, you know, has the same, you know, aspect of like trading like a stock where, you can look up a ETF, like how you use a stock. You can look up the symbol, um, the ticker symbol and type it in and trade that. ETF is the same way they have a symbol. You can trade that uh, during the market. The thing with the ETF is say, for instance, you know, um, you want to buy Amazon. Well, Amazon is trading like over $3,600. You want to buy Google, which is trading at around over $2,600, et cetera. That's a lot of money just to buy one share of that. Well, with ETFs, it's kind of like a basket. So you can look up certain ETFs, like you can go to Google, type in, hey, I want something that has exposure to Amazon. Well, you can go to Google, type in ETFs with exposure to Amazon, ETFs with exposure to Google, you know, Apple, Tesla, whatever it is. And they'll give you a list of ETFs and show you their holdings and show you, hey, this ETF has this percent of Amazon, or this percent of Apple, this percent of company that I'm looking to invest in. That way you can get that exposure of that company that you want to get without paying that full price of that stock. So that's why ETFs, in my opinion, are a pretty good tool if you don't want to pay that full price, but still want to get that exposure to that stock. What you guys think? Well, real quick, uh, I'm going to let Terrence talk here in a second, but an ETF is an exchange traded fund. That's what ETF stands for. And like uh, like Corey is saying, you can buy it on the stock market uh, as a type of security that trades in the index, what ETF stands for it. Exchange traded fund. And Larry jumped in there like Kanye. He like, Real quick, I'm, I'm gonna let you finish. But <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, who was that? Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest albums of all time. <laughs> but now, uh, hey, that was um, you helped educate me a little bit because that was good uh, way of explaining and and given a good uh, definition of ETFs. So that helped me out because now I have a better understanding of it. And it definitely sounds like a good idea. Like you said, with those examples you gave of Google and Amazon, you can probably throw Tesla out there. I mean, some of them stocks are out, outrageous, man, is how much they, they cost for just one. They, they cost that much for a reason because they're damn near guaranteed. Um, they're going to make you some money. But I mean, you don't want to put all your 
your money into just one, a couple of stocks, man. You're just trying to buy one, man. Let me just get a, a piece of a Google or something, you know? So uh, if you can do an ETF and, and still have a basket with some of that in there and you know, it's going to be on the rise at some point. I mean, why not get what you can? Well, yeah. And, and one thing we all probably like when we talked about stocks and investing is diversification. And that's what you get with an ETF. Um, you're able to invest in uh, several companies essentially with that ETF, so you, you're diversified. The ETF might be within a sector. Uh, it might be tra- uh, the whole market, like the, I don't know, the S&P 500 or something like that. So um, that's that's a good way of uh, diversification is the ETF. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, like you said, it has a, a, month, a number of different you know stocks in it. So as far as diversification, ETFs will be a, a good choice for uh, somebody that's starting out with investing, even just your mature investors too. Yeah. And then another another uh, pro about it. So you can invest in different stocks and or excuse me, within different companies. And it's a lower expense ratio because you're not investing in each company and, and you're not uh, like broker commissions for each uh, stock. You know, it's all within that one ETF, like as far as you have, if you have any broker commissions. Yeah, I, th- I think ETFs are you know, a good uh, something good to look into. I like it. Uh, now let's uh, let the expert talk about selling, uh, shortening selling stocks. Corey, what you got? So before I go into this, I do want to say one thing. Short selling stock is extremely, extremely, extremely risky. So if you do not know anything about short, sell- short selling stock, I will, ev- I will say do research and know that it is extremely risky with short selling stock. So pretty much, you know, just an investopedia definition of, you know, short selling is an investment or trading strategy that speculates on the decline of a stock or other security price. So pretty much what it's saying is that, hey, I see this company over here. I don't really think that's a good company. I think their price is going to go down rather because the amount of people that's buying things is probably going to go down, um, you know, whatever they're maybe anticipating some bad news coming out about them. So, I, you know, I, I think that they're going to their stock price is going to go down. So you're betting that their stock price is going to go down. So what you're doing is you're borrowing stock from where you're buying your, uh, your platform, you're borrowing stock from there, right? Opening your position. You have to close your position. So you're borrowing stock, you're selling to an investor, right? But the hopes of it's going down. So say for instance, you know, use example of $10, right? Borrow the stock for $10. I got to give it back to the, the platform, so I'm hoping the stock will go down, buy it back for, say, $5, and I can make my profit. The risky thing is if that stock goes the opposite way and it goes up, your losses that you can, that you can take are infinite amount. You're hoping it goes down, go down zero. If it's going up, it can go down, oh, go up to like 100, 1,000, yeah. 2,000, 100, whatever. It's infinite. So... That's why it's so risky with short selling stock, just because you have no idea if it continues to go up, how much is going to go up. We saw that with the short squeeze, with the meme stocks of AMC and different things like that, where these hedge funds are betting that, hey, people aren't going to movie theaters, the pandemic, things like that. The stock is going to go down. We saw Redditors band up and say, no, we're going to stop that and we're going to, you know, stick it to you guys in, in a way. And so you saw these institutional investors, they were short selling, they, they were uh, a shorting stock, have to close that position by buying stock back at a higher, at a higher uh, cost. So they were trying to cut their losses because they didn't know how high it can go. 
So that's why, you know, you saw a lot of them uh, lose out. And that's why short selling is extremely, extremely risky. And um, if you are an experienced investor, something maybe you, if you, if that's your appetite for risk and you're willing to take that, yeah. But just know it's extremely risky and the infinite, the amount of losses that you could have is, is infinite. So imagine some, someone trying to uh, short sell Amazon back in the initial days of Amazon. Yeah, yeah. it probably, it probably happened. People probably tried too. Yeah, because I mean, it's short sell. People short sell anything they want. Because I mean, it's always going to have somebody that's going to think it's going up. Somebody thinks it's going to go, uh, going to go down. So, yeah, I, I want to see how those people are doing right now. That you know, thought about that about you know Amazon back in the day. I don't have anything to say about that. Um, it's a little technical for me, so I appreciate that, Corey. <laughs> Very good information out there. So now we're going to go to IRAs and Roth IRAs, and these these are uh, specifically for me. Roth IRA is something that I invest in something I think is a really good avenue. And an IRA is an individual retirement account. It's a tax advantage account that individuals use to save and invest for retirement. Um, investments held in IRAs can encompass a range of financial products, including stocks, bonds, ETFs, and mutual funds. So that's just a little spiel on uh, what an IRA is. Uh, Corey, what do, you, what do you think about IRAs? IRAs are good. You know, you all got to save for retirement, you know, because you never know uh, if you work and you have your 401k and 401k is good, but you also need to have something else that you uh, that you can rely on for retirement. You do have your traditional IRA, which is normally your pre-tax money. So um, those are contributing in pre-tax dollars. So when you make money, it has to be taxed. Right. So those are pre-tax dollars. You have your Roth IRA, which is usually contributed to via after tax dollars. So you make your money, your, your earned income, that money's been taxed, you contribute that to your Roth IRA. So the main difference with those is just traditional IRA is traditionally a uh, pre-tax, whereas Roth IRA is usually after tax. So what you got to, what you guys think about that? And like I said, I think the positive, any way you can uh, invest, plan for the future. And then I think I like the way you summed it up as far as just pre-tax and um, after tax, just keeping it simple. Like he was saying, the IRA is uh, the traditional is pre-tax, and then the, the Roth IRA is, is after tax. And kind of look at like this. For a traditional IRA, you put your money in, and then once you um, start to receive that money, once you retire, that's when, it, that's when it's taxed. Is that correct, Corey? Am I, am I correct in saying that? Correct. Um, and then the Roth IRA is you put your money in, and it's taxed. You know, once you put your money, it's taxed. And then once you receive your money after you retire, that's I um, mean, it's not uh, tax. And from my standpoint, I rather I'm not working anymore. So I rather um, my money not be taxed once I start to receive it. So that's why I prefer the Roth IRA. And as far as 2021, uh, $6,000 for most people is the most you can contribute to an IRA. Uh, I believe um, if you're over 50 years old, you can do $7,000 for a cut catch up contribution. And then for Married couples, 105,000 to 125,000 uh, is the most that you can uh, make, I believe, to be able to uh, contribute to an IRA, and 66,000 to 76,000 for singles. And the Roth IRA is a little more. The Roth IRA is 125,000 to 140,000, and uh, for married couples, it's 198,000 to 208,000 as far as 2021, the, the phase out or range. So like I said, I, I, I personally do invest in Roth IRA. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a good avenue uh, for retirement. Something just put your money in there and, and, and let it grow and let, let it sit there, um, you know, with a, uh, a company that you, you would trust. And 
So for a company to uh, in, invest IRAs, they have to be IRS approved, such as banks, brokerage companies, federal insured credit unions, savings and loan associations. Uh, most individuals invest with uh, brokers. Kind of think Larry mentioned earlier too, you know, with the, the Roth IRA, how when you're at a later tax, uh, later age, your tax bracket may be different. Um, you know, especially when we're younger, what we're making now, we're hoping that when we retire, you know, that tax bracket will be in a higher tax bracket. So there are some things that you could do, say, for instance, like right now, if you have a traditional IRA and you're like, hey, you know, I think right now I'm making money right here, but in the future, I'm going to be making money and it's going to put me in a higher tax bracket. So do I want to pay taxes on that money now where I'm in a lower tax bracket and pay a little bit less tax? Or do I want to go ahead and, uh, you know, convert it so that, you know, hey, do a Roth conversion, transfer that traditional IRA to a Roth. That way, you know, hey, I could take the money out later on. Don't have to worry about the taxes because I already paid it before the taxes were lower. So this is a little uh, thing that, you you know, people could think about doing, look into it. If that's something that, especially for younger people, people that figure that, hey, money I'm making now, won't be making more in the future. Tax bracket may be different. So uh, Roth conversion from a traditional IRA um, is something that people can uh, look into also. Yes. And I, I mentioned there's a phase out your income range. Um, and I don't know exactly what it is, but there's also something called a backdoor IRA. I believe if you make, um, you know, more than that phase out, then that's a, an option you might be able to, uh, to contribute to. And also, as far as IRAs, you know, compared to 401ks, you know, I don't have an opinion as far as if there's one better or not. But for me personally, early in my career, you know, I only worked for a company a couple of years and then I would move to another company. And I would always have to move my 401k from that company to my IRA. So that's one reason to have an IRA. If, if you're going to be um, moving companies from companies, that's, a, that's a, something you can do as well. You can move your 401k into your IRA. Well, actually, I did a calculation on NerdWallet for Roth IRA. If you're 25 years old and you do the max $6,000 per year, um, and let's say you retire at 65 years old, and if you have an 8% rate of return, which I think that is uh, very possible, um, you can retire at with $1.68 million uh, in your IRA. So, you know, just put your money in there and let it sit, you know, don't, uh, you know, try to do too much, just let it sit and, um, and you can retire, you know, with over a million dollars. That's the reason why I like uh, Roth IRAs. All right. So if we don't have anything else to say about IRAs, let's talk about the pandemic that we're in. It, it seemed like we're again, maybe close to the end of it. Uh, but this Delta saying no, <laughs> but no, as far as the pandemic goes, what, what have y'all seen um, as far as the effects of the pandemic? And I'll start with you, Terrence. Man, as far as the effects on, on stocks, it has yeah. been, and the market in, in general, it has made it a, a little bit more volatile, I think. Um, and it depends on the stages, uh, obviously in the early stages of the pandemic, it was, um, caused a lot of stocks, uh, made the market kind of in, in flux, caused a lot of stocks to, to drop. And then as things started to look a little bit more positive with the um, advancements in the vaccines, uh, stocks and started to rise with the kind of anticipation of the economy opening back up, people returning to work. Uh, but it's kind of, as we mentioned in, in previous episodes, you have to take a look at how it's impacting everything and how it's changed the way we live, uh, because it's, it's definitely done that. Uh, you have more people working at, at home, uh, which means a greater opportunities for companies that focus on, on leisure activities from home, 
on people working from home, the Zooms, being able to, to, to stream, self-entertain at home or entertain people uh, without having to leave the house. So that means that it's less opportunities for, for people, for companies that cater to people or capitalize on people leaving the house, uh, less opportunity for them to make, make money. So that's why you have the AMCs um, kind of struggling and you have people banking on or guessing on if they're going to rise or come back. For me, I say that's it's not a safe bet. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it's too many people that I think I will see these companies saying, hey, you can, you can stay at home now. I mean, you're, you're good. So it's more people getting used to being at home and, and more of the streaming network saying, hey, we're going to release this movie straight to HBO Max, Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, whatever it's, it's called, Netflix. Netflix is now using these big name actors, high profile act, uh, actors and directors and stuff. So no less opportunity. I think people are less inclined to even want to go to go out to the movies and do leisure activities like that, entertainment activities. So it's definitely had an impact on how we live our lives, which means the impact on, on businesses and how they, how they um, kind of pr promote or advertise the people. So you, I just always think about that and think about which companies are ahead of the curve and, and, and seeing and anticipating how life is changing and who's really trying to change with it. Cause those, those are the companies who need to be taking a look at. Uh, but in general, it's, I would say it has been, it's not a good thing, but to some people from a financial standpoint, it has been a blessing in disguise because with any recession or catastrophic event towards the market, it's opportunities uh, for, for many years, our people, you know, black people or uh, minorities have not had the, did not have the opportunities uh, the assets, or maybe even just the wherewithal to, to capitalize and take advantage of it. But uh, people with the money and the assets and opportunities, they they know during those down times of the market, that's when I need to buy. That's when I need to jump in. Because, hey, you, you look at, I don't have the numbers, but you look at just about every stock, um, especially the big name ones, the Disney's, the Microsoft's, the Netflix, the Apple's, when the recessions, when the, sorry, not recession, but the pandemic first kicked in, a lot of those stocks dipped big time. And that's when people, some, that's because people were scared, like, hey, I need to have my money with me, not invested in this stock that I don't know what's going to happen. But people that, that know that are looking ahead, they were buying it. They're like, hey, well, I'm going to buy it on the, on, the, on the low. And when it rises, I'm good. But because of the market is not this is not a typical market right now. It's not typical stocks. So at this point, people have to be, be careful because we don't know what it's necessarily going to do exactly. Just because you bought on the low and made a lot of money, if that's when you got, that's when you were introduced into the stock market, that doesn't mean it's always going to be that simple. So I'll say um, we need to be careful with that because people have made a lot of money off of it and don't get too happy thinking that it's always going to be that easy. No, you caught it during a, a once in a century type pandemic. So that's that's my two cents on it. Yeah, I'm gonna follow up on you, Terrence. Um, I read an article during the pandemic, um, kind of going exactly what you were saying that during recessions, you know, a lot of people they lose money, but some people that's when they get rich. We're talking about stocks right now, but in general, like businesses. Let's say if a business is gonna go out of business and they need some money, if you have the capital to help that money out. 
help, excuse me, the capital help that company out, then you might be able to invest in that company and, um, and you know, you'll eventually get a return from that um, because you have the capital ready. Uh, you have the money ready to invest in that. Same thing with stocks. Um, when, once these stocks starting to go down, and we talked about this on the last episode with stocks, um, I think you and me both, Terrence, and Corey might have done the same thing. Once the pandemic started, you know, a lot of the stocks that we're investing in, they went down a lot. And, uh, you know, if you trust that company, if you believe that company, you know, it's, it's going to do well and it's just, a, you know, just the market, then that's when you buy into that stock. So that's a great time to buy. Yeah, during the pandemic, you know, stocks obviously went down. Um, and if you if you had the capital to invest in it and, and you trusted that company, that was a great time to invest in that company. Uh, yep. hey, that, that, well, real, real quick, I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish, but <laughs> but but, <laughs> but it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, as far as uh, how you assess and evaluate your stocks and what you're gonna invest in. So if you have already done your research and you've looked at the 10Ks and 10Qs and and the annual reports, and you know what the company's looking like and what their business model is and business plan, um, and you're and you're a believer in it, then you're not scared at them dipping. You're not scared at the results from a pandemic. If you already know what their model is and what's, what's going to happen, then you stay fast in it and you uh, double down, you know, when, yeah. when, it, when it drops. It's like, Shh, that's yeah. good for you. You're like, hey, hey man, I know we solid. <laughs> Look at it as, as that's your company. You already have something invested in it. That's yours. You say, man, we're solid. I'm going to get some more of this. And when everybody else is leaving, I'm going. You know what I'm saying? So so you got to be ready for it and, and just do your research ahead of time. So earlier this week, we had a little dip. Yeah. Um, I think the market dropped like 2% on an average, something like that, uh, because – scares with the delta strain or whatever it's called a variant so but over the next week the rest of the week i think it recouped all that but that little two percent dip would have been the time for you know someone to say like hey man i'm i'm solid in, in my game plan i'm gonna buy some more that's just how it goes but it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning do your research all right now Corey, i'll pass it on to you <laughs> now I, I pretty much just echoing what you guys said you know, there were some people that took it, took it pretty hard by losing jobs when the pandemic first started. But there were some people that did benefit off of those stock prices going down and, and saying, hey, I may be looking at a certain company here for a long time. And now their price has gone down at a discount. Well, I, like you guys said, you know, we went, we went in, did the research. I believe this is a good company. I believe that it's nothing more than just the pandemic that's hurting it, but the company still has good financials. So I'm going to use this as a buying opportunity. So you do have people that have made a good chunk of money because that was a good buying opportunity for them. Now also, you know, investment is a ri is risky. So if you do double down, there are risks that may come, a, uh, come with that. But that is a good time. If you believe you did your research that, you know, this company um, has a product that's going to continue to sell is just because, you know, right now we're in a, a time we've never seen in the world and, you know, in the history that I can go ahead and buy, put more money in, because this is a good buying opportunity. So yeah, just pretty much echo, echoing what you guys have mentioned um, about that. So another thing I know regarding the uh, the pandemic, you know, travel stocks have taken a hit because people, a lot of countries were, a lot of people in from different places. You know, we saw states that weren't letting people in. Um, you know, people were, uh, you know, have, have mass mandates and things like that. And so people weren't really traveling as much. So we saw the travel industry take a hit. And starting to see it come back, people are getting, you know, going places, you know, now with the Delta variant, like T said on Monday, you know, stocks took a hit. 
And so, um, you know, travel industry has definitely been one that, uh, you know, has been hit, you know, seeing Royal Caribbean with the, uh, with the cruises and different things like that. So it's another industry that has been affected by the pandemic. You have restaurants and things like that. So. Yeah. I'm curious how the travel industry will recover. Honestly, like I said, just curious. I have no idea on, on which way or if it'll return to full, but I know like with, anticipation of a lot of people working from home you know you have a lot of people beforehand that would travel for work so what what is that going to look like because those people might you might not have as many people traveling for work now companies might not want you out there traveling like because of the risk to uh contracting the, the virus and then also outside of that just financially they might say that like hey we see that you don't have to go over there why, why are we paying <laughs> First class, you know, paying for your, your stay in the hotel rooms and all that, man, you you work on a computer. You can do that at home. You can meet with this person from overseas or from the other state while you're sitting at home and we don't have to pay you a thing. So you might see less of all that travel for businesses, at least. Uh, but what is it going to look like for people just doing vacation? Because now you're saying that, well, I can work from anywhere. So Hey man, Miami looking real good this time of year. I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna go to Miami and work from there, you know. So, so I don't know how how that's gonna balance out. I can definitely see that where people now they're able to work remotely and they might work their full day, you know, in the hotel room, and then after the day they go to the beach, like you said, Miami. You know, I could definitely see that happening. Um, I'm personally chopping at the bit to be able to travel, you know, just normal. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen as far as travel goes, but um, there's definitely some things to look at, um, especially if you're you know, investing in, in like different airlines and everything like that. So that's some good uh, points you put up there, Terrence. Corey, you have anything else to say? No, it's just, uh, you know, it's always if you can get into the market and start investing, it's better to you know, be invested. Of course, you know, do your research. Um, if, if you're going to invest money, make sure that you are you have that risk for your investing Do you and in, in begin investing for retirement or for you know, maybe for a house or, you know, whatever that future expense is, it's always good to do that. Just do the research and have that risk appetite. No, you know, in case you do lose something, are you comfortable sleeping at night knowing that that money is not there? If you are, then, hey, go into investing. So, yeah, do your research, like you said. I mean, don't necessarily invest in, um, you know, stocks because you see it on the social media and everything. Do your research yourself. Brought up risk, you know, risk averse. Know how risk averse you are. Um, so yeah, uh, we really appreciate you filling in today, Corey. Um, like I said, a good friend of ours is chopping it up. We haven't chopped it up, um, as a group in a while. So it's good. And, uh, be able to put some good information out there. So, uh, I'm gonna pass you Terrence. All right, man. That concludes another wonderful, enlightening and exciting episode with the, uh, Black Financial Initiative. Uh, so we appreciate everyone for tuning in as we're about to tune out. Peace. All right. Thank you. Check out, check out all the social media as well. Thank you all. Tell a friend. Bye.